Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining me here today. I've, I've come down out of the space station and I'm enjoying some beautiful spring weather here in uh, Malmesbury. Thank you for joining us. Now this week, um, I'm really excited about, uh, I've got a two-part message I'm bringing you and it's called Gods and Monsters Part 1, okay? Noah. And we're going to be delving into one of my all-time favouritest parts of the Bible. Growing up, I used to love watching those old stop-motion animated monster movies. You remember Jason and the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. These movies that are echoes of a time when mighty heroes and villains walked upon the face of the earth. And as we trace back the family tree of Jesus and we get to Noah and the part of the Bible that's filled with ancient gods and monsters... Now, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, they're not like any other part of the Bible. They tell these amazing stories, but often with what feels like huge amounts of detail missing. But these first 11 chapters of Genesis, they tell the story of the world before history proper. Stories that were passed down from generation to generation to generation. Stories that are not found only in the Bible. And the truth of them is testified by people's all around the world. Now I'm sure you know at least some of the story of Noah and the flood and the animals going into the ark two by two. Let's, let's pray before we start. Father, I pray that you would open your word to us today. Grant us understanding, ears that are open to hear, hearts that are humble to learn and spirits that are willing to worship. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our slow walk through the Gospel of Luke. And we've been working our way back through the family tree of Jesus, found in Luke chapter 3. Now Luke tells us that Noah was the son of Lamech. But there's actually a more detailed family tree recorded in Genesis chapter 5. And he goes like this. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. And Methuselah lived, after he fathered Lamech, another 782 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and then he died. He's the oldest person recorded ever, ever to live in the Bible. Well, probably in all time, Methuselah, 969 years. Anyway, Lamech, okay, Methuselah's son, he lived 182 years, then he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and the painful toil of our hands. I mean, people lived a really long time before the flood, didn't they? So, so what is this relief that Noah is going to bring? Well, here comes the flood. Turn to Genesis chapter 6, with many Bibles, reading from verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt and for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark out of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits, its breadth is 50 cubits and its height is 30 cubits. Wow. All flesh had corrupted their way. That's what the Bible says. So not just all humans, it says all flesh. Yeah, the Hebrew word basar, yeah, it means living creatures. In other words, humans and animals, all of living creation have become corrupted. And I think this is the, the relief, the corru- relief of this corruption that, that Noah is named after. So so clearly the part of that curse from Eden, yeah, is still in place today. You know, remember when, when Adam was thrown out of, of Eden, God cursed the earth he said by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food yeah well that's still true for us today but perhaps it's not as bad today as it was back in the days before Noah maybe that gives you an idea of just how bad it was upon the earth in that time before the flood and we'd be mistaken I think to to consider the flood and worry about you know the, the poor giraffes and the koalas and the panda bears who all died in the flood because the bible says all flesh, not all people, all creatures, all living creatures, all flesh was corrupted and the earth was full of violence because of it. So in other words, there were killer koalas, there were predatory pandas and don't get me started on those vicious giraffes. So Noah obeys God and builds the ark. It's about 138 metres long, yeah, 450 feet long. It's three storeys tall. So in fact, if you were to kind of there's kind of three layers and that length and that breadth the amount of space inside the ark it is about the same as as you turn it to train carriages okay it'll be 244 train carriages of space is what was inside the ark so if you were to turn that into a train like a you know a goods train full of um those kind of storage containers that you see on the back of trains it would be six kilometers long to give you the same amount of space as there was inside the ark. I mean, the ark was huge, okay? Um, and modern engineers estimate it would take somewhere between 55 and 75 years to construct that ark by hand out of wood, you know, even if Noah had help. And all the time that Noah was building this ark, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, I mean, people would have seen what he was doing. They were asking, what are you up to? But, but no one decided to join in, did they? So Noah gathered his family, three sons and their wives, and Mrs. Noah, eight people, and all of those animals, they went into the ark. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went with him into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of animals that were not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps upon the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. 
Oh, here they come. Oh my goodness. Here come those floodwaters. Got to get ready. Oh, got my life preserver. Look at those waves, my goodness. Nothing has ever been seen like it. Oh, good grief. Okay, got to get ready for this flood. Here it comes. After seven days in the ark, the flood waters came. You know, and Noah's flood was not what any ordinary kind of flood. You know, the word used to describe it in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew of the Bible, the mabul, okay, it's only ever used to describe Noah's flood. Yeah. Noah's flood it was a one-of-a-kind event. Nothing like it happened before, and nothing like it has ever happened since. Genesis chapter 7 says, The flood continued 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and they bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. And the waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark, it floated on the surface of the waters. And the water prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. Yeah, just like that. Whoosh, waves come up covered all the mountains. It says, the waters, verse 20, okay, Genesis chapter 7, says, the waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. So a cubit is, is, is the length of your arm, okay, from your fingertip down to your elbow. So 15 cubits is about 7 metres, or 22 feet in elbow. Now, I'll up on the screen a picture of a, of a sea lily okay and th these these creatures they're related to, to sea urchins and starfish and fossils of sea lilies okay, or crinoids to give them their scientific name well according to the university of cambridge fossils of sea lilies hold the record for being the fossils found at the highest elevation on earth can you guess where they were found what did you put it in the chat okay where were crinoids uh, fossils? Where were sea lilies fossils found? Put it in the chat. So all those people who said at the top of Mount Everest are completely correct. Okay, over eight kilometres above where sea level is today, at the top of the highest mountain on the earth, you can find fossils of creatures that lived on the seafloor. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. That you're allowed to turn to someone that you're watching with today and say, wow, it's okay. Now, perhaps you're, you're still freaked out by the idea of the killer koalas. Anyway, let, let, let's pause the story of Noah for a moment. I want to skip forward to chapter 11 of Genesis. Okay, Noah and his family have emerged from the ark. Okay, so let's get rid of the, the floodwaters. Oh, that's better. Oh, back, back beside the beautiful rivers. I was getting a bit hot in my hat and my life preserver. Okay, so, so Noah and his family have emerged from the ark. We've, we've skipped forward to Genesis chapter 11. And his children and his grandchildren, his great-great-grandchildren, his great-great-great-grandchildren, okay, they've all been born and people are starting to explore the face of the earth again. Genesis chapter 11 goes like this. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make 
bricks and burned them thoroughly to make them strong. And they put and they had brick for stone and they had bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build together a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. So let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed across the face of the whole earth. And the Lord, he came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of the things that they will do. And nothing that they propose to do from now will be impossible for them. So come, let us go down, let us confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord had confused the languages of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the whole earth. So the people of the whole earth were dispersed. The languages were divided, which is why people in China speak a different language from people in Spain, and people in England speak a different language from America or Australia. But even though they were all speaking different languages from that point onwards, this dispersed peoples, they took with them their stories, their histories, their traditions. Yeah, the stories that children had le- learned about where they come from, how the earth was made, yeah, where, where our family came from. They took those stories with them, which takes us back to the flood. Yeah, the stories shared about how everyone who is currently alive was descended from those people that God saved in a boat. There are stories of global floods found in the histories of ancient people from almost every continent upon the earth. In fact, every continent except Antarctica. Because the polar bears, they just don't care. Or maybe they'd rather forget about the predatory pandas. But different peoples from all over the world have this consistent story of a flood. And not just any story, but a story that closely parallels the story of Noah. How one man was picked to be saved and he takes his family and the animals into a boat or a wooden cube and he sends out birds after the waters have receded and offers a sacrifice to God when he finally gets out of the boat. Yeah, there are all these stories of floods. Not some have a story of flood and, and some cultures have a story of fire and some cultures have a story of volcanoes. No, it's floods, floods, flood across the whole surface of the earth. Let me give you an example. There's an ancient poem called the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay, let me just, just read to you a couple of sentences from the Epic of Gilgamesh. It says, On Mount Nimush the ship ran aground, and the mountain held it and would not release it. And on the seventh day I brought out a dove and set it free, and the dove flew off and then flew back to the ship because there was no place to land. Then I waited and I brought out a raven and set it free, and the raven flew off, and because the waters had receded it found a branch and it sat there and it ate it, and it flew off and it didn't return. Then the waters had dried up and the land appeared. I set free the animals I had taken and I slaughtered some sheep and offered it to the gods. So this is this that part of a poem from the Epic of Gil- Gilgamesh that comes from ancient Mesopotamia. And it dates from at least 1,600 years before the earliest known copy of the book of Genesis. And just compare it to what the original story in the Bible actually says. In Genesis 8, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him on the ark. And God made the wind to blow over the earth and the waters they subsided. 
and the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed and the rains from heaven they were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually at the end of 150 days the waters they had abated and in the seventh month on the 70th day of the month the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat And skipping forward to chapter 8, verse 6. And at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he'd made and he sent forth a raven. He went to and forth until the waters were dried up from the earth. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot and she returned to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and he brought her into the ark. Verse 12, then he waited another seven days and he sent forth the dove and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month of the first day of the month, the waters were dried off from the earth. And Noah removed the covering from the ark and he looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Verse 18, so Noah went out with his sons and his wives and his son's wives with him, and every beast and every creeping thing and every bird that moves across the earth, and they went out by families from the ark. So Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings upon the altar. So as the nations were dispersed at Babel, okay, they took their stories and their histories with them. And although, like Chinese whispers, some things got lost or muddled over time, you can still see the truth of the story of Noah and the ark in all of these other different stories from around the world. Now, speaking of Chinese whispers, speaking of China, okay, ancient Chinese writings re- reveal some amazing cultural memory that points to some of this stuff going on. So ancient Chinese writing hey, it uses symbols to represent ideas and whole words. And these were combined to make more complicated pictograms um, to convey more complicated ideas, a bit like Egyptian hieroglyphics. And did you know that if you go and look at ancient Chinese characters, they reveal the story of the Garden of Eden, for example, the devil deceiving Adam and Eve and the decision to, to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge. Look, Just look at this. I'm putting it up on the screen. The Chinese symbol for devil okay, is made from three symbols. Garden, mankind and lie. Because that's what the devil did, didn't he? He lied to mankind in the Garden of Eden. How about this one? The symbol for forbidden okay, in ancient Chinese is made from two symbols. The symbol for tree... And the symbol for God's command. Yeah, God commanded you weren't allowed to eat from the tree. So amazing, right? Okay, how about this one? The symbol for boat. Okay, ancient Chinese symbol for boat is eight mouths in a vessel. And a mouth is, is a common term used to describe people. You know, in case everyone, people have a mouth. So the symbol for boat is eight people in a vessel. And as Peter uh, writes in 1 Peter 3, he talks about the days of Noah and he says, while well, the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the waters. It's amazing. As, as the nations were dispersed, their languages were confused, but the memories of these ancient truths were, came with them and you can find them in these cultures from all around the world. And we'll come back 
to this story next week when we look at Enoch. You know, this is all a bit like Star Wars, where the, the sequel next week is going to jump back in time and set up the story and explain how we got where we are today. But for, for now, I just have a question. What was so special about Noah that he, out of all the people upon the earth, was the one that God chose to save from the flood? And the answer is found in one little verse. Noah walked with God. Genesis 6-9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now, when you, when you walk with someone, you're, you're going in the same direction that they're going, yeah? When you walk with someone, you have to be walking at the same pace, the same speed that they are walking at, otherwise you'll start to drift apart. Noah walked with God. The Bible starts with Adam and Eve walking with God in the Garden of Eden. And a sneak peek next week, you know, when we look at Enoch, he's also described as a man who walked with God. Noah walked with God. And walking with God is a key to success. Because when you walk with God, you set your direction, you make your choices so that you stay alongside God rather than going off in a different direction. And I think the one thing that Lydia and I have always done, always tried to do, you know, from when we were dating and getting married, having children, buying houses, applying for jobs, we try to walk with God. You know, like, like little puppies, try to follow where God is going, trotting off, following him, following him, not heading off in our own direction or doing our own thing. Because walking with God means trying to keep up with God, moving in a direction always that takes you towards him and what he's doing and not away. And that's, you know, that's what I always try and do. I'm not saying I'm holy or, or clever or better than anyone else. I mean, quite the opposite. You know, I know I'm daft as a brush. I can't be trusted to be left upon my own. Leave me in a room with a tea cosy and you know that thing is going on my head like a hat. So every decision that I make, yeah, weigh out very simply. Will this help me or hinder me to walk with God? Should I apply for this job or will it help me or hinder me to walk with God? Should I ask this girl on a date or will that help me or hinder me to walk with God? Should we buy this house or will this help me or hinder me to walk with God? I'm nothing special. When I was born, my, my parents, we were so poor, they lived in a caravan. I grew up in a, in a, in a council house. I went to to, to school, uh, riding on a dirty old uh, public transport bus where my friends were getting dropped off in Daddy's Daimler. I couldn't afford to go on most of the, the school trips. But growing up, one of the things I always noticed and, and loved to look at was, was houses or, or flats that were next to water, you know, next to a canal or a river or the sea. I didn't ever dream that I would end up living in a house next to water. I think perhaps I didn't dare to dream so big, but you know what? Following God, walking along with him, I find myself today living in a house next to this river. The point is, I didn't pursue the house, I didn't pursue the river, I pursued God and just look where I ended up, watching ducklings swim past my door. It's it's true when the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
I don't know why I, I shared that story this morning, but I tried to do what I'm told and I felt the Spirit of God say, share that story this morning. Noah walked with God. And when you walk beside someone, it's a lot easier to hear what they say than if you're you know, off on the other side of the field. When you walk with someone, you keep in step with them. So the question for you today, do you need to get in step with God? Noah walked with God and he was ready when the unexpected came. The flood came and wiped out everyone who was not ready for it. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And the only way to cope is to be walking with God. Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, he says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Talking about when Jesus comes again. He says, They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. See, the day before the floods came, everyone except Noah was living their life and eating and drinking and getting married. They had no idea what tomorrow would bring. The day before COVID lockdown, everyone was living their life, eating and drinking and getting married, and they had no idea what tomorrow would bring. The day before Jesus comes again, everyone will be living their life, eating and drinking and getting married and having no idea what tomorrow will bring. The story of Noah and the flood it is one of those prophetic pictures that we keep on finding that points to the New Testament. The first book of the Bible reflects the last book of the Bible. The flood in Genesis wipes all the evil from the face of the earth and the earth is reshaped and reborn. And in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we read a prophecy about how the earth will be recreated, a new heaven and a new earth, and all the evil will be removed and God will dwell again with his people in this new creation. There is this scene in Revelation where the people are divided between those who walked with God and those who rejected him and did not. I don't know much, but this much I do. We have no idea what tomorrow will bring. You know, God, he, he loves you and he wants you to become a part of his family, to walk with him every single day. The invitation is there, but you need to accept it by asking Jesus to become the Lord of your life. Lord God, I pray right now that you would bless every person watching right now. Bless them and their family with a long and healthy life. Jesus, I pray that you'd make yourself real to them. Do a quick work in their hearts. They've not re ever received you as their Lord and Saviour, that they would choose to do so right now. This is, I pray, in Jesus' name. Now, if you want to get right with God today, you can do it right now. It only takes a moment. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Don't put it off. Just pray this prayer with me. It's all you need to do. It's going to come up on the screen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me and set me free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm forgiven, I'm on my way to heaven, because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Well, my friend, if you prayed this prayer with me today, I tell you that your sins have been forgiven. Always remember to run 
to God, walk with God, not away from him because he loves you and he has a great and good plan for your life. If you prayed this prayer today for the first time or as an act of recommitment of your life, just press that button on the screen right now to raise your hand and let us know that you've chosen to trust God and set your eternal destination to be heaven. Now listen, Hope Fam, let me just talk to you for a second. How is your walk with God? Are you keeping up? Are you drawing closer to him? Are you drifting apart? What is God telling you to do right now, this week? It might not be as big as building an ark, but it might be. The question is, will you do it? Will you do it? You might be thinking, well, God isn't really saying anything to me right now. Well, if that's the case, just let me challenge you as your pastor, okay? Can, can you imagine a marriage where the husband could say, well, my wife isn't saying anything to me right now? Can you imagine a school where the pupils say, well, the teacher isn't saying anything to us right now? A friendship where, where no communication takes place? If you, see, if you think God isn't speaking to you right now, it's probably because you've drifted apart, because you're not walking in the same direction as him. You're not walking with God. God speaks to his children. He doesn't hide in the shadows. He is not silent. Yeah, we need to walk with God, Hope Church. Let's, let's just pray. Father, we want to be closer to you than we are right now to hear you more clearly than we do right now, to understand and love your scriptures more than we do right now. We want to walk with you, in step with you, be closer to you. Lord God, put your finger on those things in our lives that are getting in the way. Point out those priorities that we have that are are drawing us away from you or drawing us in the wrong direction. Lord God, we want to walk with you. Have your way with us, challenge us and bless us with a greater sense of your presence every single day. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us today at Hope Church Online. We're going to be here every week until we get to reopen the doors of our churches. I'm going to close this part of the service right now. The chat room remains open. You can click that request prayer button and one of our team will talk to you through a little private chat window. No one else can see what you say we're going to continue to pray for you in the in the weeks ahead thank you for your prayers for us thank you for your faithful financial support that makes all of this continue to be possible god sees your sacrifice and the seeds that you sow will yield a harvest that's the promise of scripture now may the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you the lord be gracious to you turn his face towards you and give you peace Our midweek events are on Facebook and YouTube. We've got Communion on the Couch with me and Lydia on Monday at 7.30. We've got Words of Hope, the Bible study with the ladies who leads at 10am in the morning on Tuesday. And uh, our our plan is, as soon as the the rules change in May, uh, and we're allowed to have more than six people gathering together outside, we'll we'll see the return of pop-up pastors. So we'll start start meeting together again as we navigate our way out of lockdown and all these restrictions. Walk with God this week. Be good, be happy, be healthy, be holy. And we'll see you soon. Bye for now.